Please join with me in prayer. Lord, it is a privilege to be able to uh, read and proclaim and hear the Word of God. And I ask that you would pour out your Spirit. I ask that you would be our teacher. I ask this through Jesus Christ. Amen. I became a Christian uh, during my freshman year in college, and I had very little Bible knowledge prior to becoming a Christian. But I began devouring the Scriptures, especially the Gospel of Matthew. And I can distinctly remember the first few times that I read the parable of the sower. Uh, And it's found in Matthew 13, and that's the parallel to our account, to our text this morning. And Jesus told his disciples that the meaning of the parable was hidden to some, but revealed to them. And I thought that this meant that I should be able to understand the meaning of the parable without having to read Jesus' explanation down a few verses later. Somehow it went past me that the disciples didn't understand the parable either, and they had to go and ask Jesus. Um, because I could not draw out the meaning of the parable from just relying on the first part without Jesus' explanation, I began to be very distressed. I thought I must be among those who were seeing but did not see, who were hearing but did not hear since I could not understand um, or draw out the meaning of this parable without reading the, the explanation. I seriously wondered if it mean, meant that I wasn't uh, a true Christian. And I remember crying out in desperation that God would give me understanding of the parables. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but my reaction was just what Jesus wanted from people who heard his parables. Jesus knew that many of his followers were superficial, that they only listened to his word carelessly and casually. And so he, used, he taught in parables to draw out the spiritual earnestness of his hearers who truly desired his salvation. Let me back this, this uh, point up from the passage. I think verse 4 gives us a hint why Jesus taught in the parables. Uh, Verse 4, the crowds were becoming greater and greater. The Lord Jesus had become a national celebrity. They wanted to see the miracles. They wanted to be a part of the spectacle. But Jesus wanted the people to be earnest listeners. He wanted to make sure that they were making room in their hearts to think earnestly about his teaching. He wanted them to ponder it in their heart. He wanted his word to pierce them in their conscience and draw them to God. But for many, his teaching was simply going in one ear and out the other. And Jesus, at this stage in his ministry, as the crowds were growing I guess I should read verse 4 real quickly. 
And when a great crowd was gathering and the people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable and began teaching. And so it appears that it is the great crowds that is drawing him out to begin teaching in parables. And he is earnest. We could go back into chapter 6 uh, and, talk, and, and see how Jesus was imploring the people to put his word into action. Um, or we could continue looking at chapter 8 and see how many times Jesus refers to people listening uh, rightly, listening earnestly to his word. So look at verse 8. Here in in Luke 8, uh, as he tells the, the parable of the sower, he concludes by saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Or if you go down to verse 12... Uh, the ones along the path, as he's explaining the meaning of the parable of the sower to his disciples, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Again, verse 13, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. Or again, verse 14, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. Verse 15. As for those in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word. You see, in every instance, he is uh, emphasizing the need for the people to hear the word. And he doesn't stop here in the parable of the sower. If you look down to verse 18, the parable of the lamp under the jar, he says, Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Take care that you hear. Or again, we could look at verse 21. Who is Jesus's? True mothers and brothers? Verse 21, But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So there is this emphasis, this insistence upon the great crowds who have come, who are following him. He is telling them, Make sure that you listen to my word. And don't just hear it and forget about it. Do what it says. Be careful. Be earnest listeners. Don't just listen. Respond to God's Word. And so I would urge you earnestly this morning, as we are beginning this sermon, soften your heart this morning. Open your ears. Open your hearts. So that you can take in Christ's word. Ask God to help you be changed by his word today. Ask him to help you to respond earnestly in a godly manner to his word. Verses 9 and 10 also helps us to know why Jesus taught in parables. Verses 9 and 10. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant... 
He said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. From these two verses it seems clear that the parables have a revealing and a concealing function. God uses the parables to grant to some to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. He told his disciples, his twelve that were with him, who came to him privately. He said, to you, um, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are told in parables. God uses the parables, again, to grant or to reveal the secrets of the kingdom of God but also to conceal the kingdom of God from those who don't have ears to hear. In my case in college, uh, God used the parable of the sower to drive me earnestly to seek Him, to drive me earnestly to respond to His Word. In seeking God, I found Him. But those who are casual in their relationship with God and will not care to earnestly seek Him, they will not find Him. Sitting casually under God's Word without responding to it actually further conceals God's Word by hardening your heart. He says, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, if we were to turn back to the Matthew 13 passage, the parallel passage, Jesus has this one little phrase, but He dedicates eight verses to it in Matthew 13, that there are many who will not hear, and their hearts are hardened. What Jesus is doing is He is using parables to separate true hearers from the pretenders. And Jesus continues to use His Word in like fashion. There are some this morning, hearing the Word of God, that are going to be drawn nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you have ears to hear. You're responding to the Word of God. While others are being hardened, even as you sit there. Right here in the middle of this sermon. There's spiritual dynamics going on according to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the parable of the sower, the sower is God or the preacher. The seed, of course, is the Word of God. The soil is the heart of the listener. And the fruit is the result of one's response to the Word of God. As we look at the parable of the sower, there are four kinds of listeners. Three of the four do not respond to God's Word in a healthy fashion. So we meet first the listener with a careless heart. In verse 5, Jesus said, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. 
And then looking ahead to verses 11 and 12 to his explanation of what's happening. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So the picture here is of a sower. He's got his bag uh, of seed over his back. He's reaching into his bag. And he's not planting like we do in, in straight little lines. He's taking handfuls of seed and he's sowing it, tossing it out to both sides. And inevitably, some of that seed's going to fall in the well-worn path that he is using uh, in his garden or around the outer edges uh, of the field. And because this is where he walks, uh, the ground has become impacted. Uh, and so when the, the word falls uh, or the seed falls on the ground, it doesn't penetrate the soil. It stays lightly on the top of the ground. And so uh, it never goes deep. Uh, these are not people who are hostile to the Word of God. These are people who came to hear the preaching of Jesus. Or maybe like you this morning, you came to hear the preaching. You came to worship. And the Word as it is being sown, if your heart is careless, if it's indifferent to the Word of God, it's like that seed. It stays lightly on top. It never goes deep. never gives the Word Uh, a chance to grow roots. The people um, here in in the first part of this parable, they were listening. They just weren't hearing. Verse 13, And the ones on the rock... I'm sorry. uh, Verse 12, The ones along the path are those who have heard. They've heard. But the word never penetrates their mind, never touches their conscience, never enters their heart. These people are indifferent to the word. They don't take the effort to listen with care. Maybe they daydream. Maybe they do something else. Uh, Maybe they're looking at the watch. You know, how long do you think we have left in the service? Uh, But for whatever reason, the word in this first part of the parable, the people being described, the word never penetrates um, their heart. This is a big issue in churches. There are many who come to church each week, hear the word of God preached week after week. They presume, I'm in church. I'm okay with God. Plus, I get brownie points for coming to church and giving to the offering. And they take God for granted. Make no effort to ponder His Word, much less put it into practice. Additionally, those who believe in God but give themselves to immoral practices are also susceptible to this uh, temptation. Uh, if you've got 
a moral issue, a moral failing in your life that you're giving yourself to, but you believe in God, you're going to inevitably make accommodations in your theology for your immorality. And then that's going to lead you to have less uh, earnestness in, in reading the Word so that you can accommodate your sin. So watch out for that. Be hearers of the Word. Let the Word examine your heart as David prays. Oh God, search me and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Children, you hear the Word of God read and preached. Or young people who've grown up in the church. Maybe adults who've grown up in the church. You hear it week after week. It's easy to take it for granted. It's easy to make no effort to ponder what it's saying. Earnestly ponder God's Word. Earnestly seek for God to work in your heart by His Word. In keeping with the metaphor... The Word of God only lightly rests upon the heart. It doesn't go deep. It's never given a chance to take root. And this is a dangerous place to be. Because you have an enemy that is working against you. Look at verse 12 again. The ones along the path are those who have heard... And here's the enemy. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. When you treat lightly the word of God, when you are indifferent to the word of God, God allows Satan to work against you. He allows Satan to come and take the word that rested upon your ears but never penetrated your heart. He allows Satan to come and take it away. Don't listen lightly to the Word of God. Take care how you listen. Determine with God's help that you will put God's Word into practice in your life. Read the Bible daily. Read the Bible with a pen in your hand so that you can journal or so that you can ask questions and go and study. What does this mean? What does this mean for me? In other words, make sure that the Word of God is entering your heart and taking root. Next, we meet the listener with a shallow heart. We meet him in verse 6. And some, some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Jesus gives His explanation in verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root, because they believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. So as the sower scattered the seed, some of it fell upon rocky places. And it wasn't just bare rock, it had a shallow layer of soil. But because it was so shallow... The, the soil was hotter than the fertile, fallow soil. 
And so as the seed fell upon this rocky uh, soil that was, was very thin, it grew up quickly. But there was no place for the roots. And so it sprang up quickly, but as the sun kept getting hotter, it easily dies. And so this is a person with a shallow heart. Notice the person with a shallow heart responds positively to the Word and receives it with joy. Again, verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the Word, receive it with joy. They give the appearance of spiritual health. But when hardship comes, when testing comes, they fall away because they have no roots to keep them stable. And it becomes evident that their faith was only really superficial. They had a lot of joy, a lot of enthusiasm, maybe even a lot of tears. But then it comes to be revealed, no root, no real faith. You become... um, how, How many people have made a so-called profession of faith for Christ as a first step of faith, but then go no further. If they never become rooted in the gospel, if they never become rooted in Christ, if they never become rooted in the cross of Christ, their superficial faith will fail. Sadly, American Christianity has changed the gospel to accommodate this superficial Christianity so that people with shallow hearts will feel more comfortable in church. You know, I think Jesus included the shallow-hearted person in this parable um, to help us not be self-deceived about our faith. He wants us to be sure about our faith. He wants us to have a faith that weathers the storms of life. Do you have a faith that is able to weather hardship? Do you have a faith that is weathering hardship? Does your faith have roots that are deeper than one or two inches deep underground? Are you rooted and grounded in Christ? Are you rooted and grounded in His saving work, in His death, His resurrection, His ascension? When trouble comes... Those without roots will fall away. But true Christians will grow stronger through these trials. Next, we meet the listener with a preoccupied heart in verse 7 and then also in verse 14. Verse 7, And some some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Going on to verse 14, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So this seed falls among some thorns. Uh, You know, good plants never seem to grow as fast as the weeds, right? And so you have a nice, beautiful garden. If you don't get all the weeds out, and if you don't go check it um, every other day or so, these weeds start coming. If you don't take care of it, soon 
the weeds choke out your beautiful um, vegetables. So a garden left to itself soon becomes over, overgrown, and then the vegetables struggle to get adequate sunlight. Whatever is able to grow struggles to fully mature, and it will likely die on the vine. And that's what Jesus is talking about here, when the seed falls among the thorns. He's talking about a, a, a heart that is preoccupied with this world. Strangled by the... the faith, your, your faith becomes strangled by the distractions. And he names three types of distractions that, that uh, choke our spiritual vitality. Uh, last part of verse 14. But as they go their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So this is a person who is concerned with this world, and so concerned with this world that they have no room in their heart for the Word of God to grow and flourish. This person is lukewarm in his or her faith. Their commitment to God's Word is divided between God and this world. And this person's faith will never mature and will never become substantial or sustainable. As, he, as Jesus says at the end of verse 14, and their fruit does not mature. Terry Johnson says about the uh, man with a preoccupied heart or a woman with a pre- the person with a preoccupied heart, he says, ultimately, the world will gobble up this kind of partial discipleship. Worries, concern for the acquisition and security of, of wealth, uh, the pleasures of life, these things choke the life out of our desire for the Word of God. <clears throat> they keep us from being good listeners. They keep us from having ears to hear. I want to dig down a little bit on this um, issue of the pleasures of life. We live in a culture that likes to be entertained. And the Super Bowl was just last weekend. We live about 70 miles from Disney World. We have multiple televisions in our homes. Shall I go on? We've got hobbies, social media, computers, and worst of all, cell phones. Let me ask you, are you behind in your Bible reading goals for this year? I bet I can guess why. Preoccupation with one or multiple of these types of things. The pleasures of life. These kinds of preoccupations choke the Word. They keep our spiritual fruits from maturing. John Calvin says... There is no one who does not have a veritable forest of weeds in their heart. You know, and many of the, the pleasures that we pursue are not evil in and of themselves. But when they are pursued in excess, they become a preoccupation that drives us away from pursuing God. J.C. Ryle said, Thousands of things which are innocent in themselves, which followed in excess 
are little better than soul poisons and helps to hell. Is there any room in your heart for God's Word? Does God's Word have the place of primacy in your life? Is there anything you need to put aside that God's Word would have that primacy? Finally, we meet the listener with a receptive heart. Verse 8, And some fell onto good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things. He called, or as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in his explanation, verse 15, And as... And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Just so we're clear, no heart is good on its own. Jeremiah 17.9 was true in Jeremiah's day. It was true in Jesus' day. It is true in our day. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. We are sinners under the wrath of God because we have bad hearts. The heart of the problem is always the problem of the heart. We need a new heart, a regenerated heart, a heart that has been born again. And that's one of the gospel graces given to us when God draws us to Himself. A regenerated heart loves God. A regenerated heart desires to obey His Word. It's an honest and good heart that longs to be near God. Therefore, it holds fast to God's Word. It doesn't give up pursuing life when life gets hard. It doesn't stop short of pursuing God because of preoccupations with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. It pursues God and it holds fast to Him. (coughs) It bears its fruit, therefore, in season. Or as Matthew 13, it bears 30, 60, a hundredfold fruit. All of you who belong to Christ know what I'm talking about. Because you possess this regenerated heart, this born-again heart, this new heart. But you also know about the struggles with each of the three previous types of soils. You've struggled, even as a Christian, allowing the Word of God to examine your heart. I struggle in this area. You've struggled to be faithful in times of testing, as have I. You've struggled with being preoccupied with the world, as have I. We all have. But we've also seen our Savior bring us to repentance time and again. We've pressed forward by God's grace when we were sorely tempted to fall back into the world's ways. God's grip on us has carried us forward And He will continue to carry us forward because He loves us. And He has redeemed us by the precious blood of His own Son, Jesus Christ. If He has not spared His own Son but given Him up for us all, how will He not also, (coughs) excuse me, along with Him, 
graciously give us all things. Frankly, I'm beginning to wonder if my wife has given me something. (coughs) Excuse me. I urge you, brothers and sisters in Christ, press forward with patience. Listen intently to the voice of your Savior as it is revealed in His holy word. He who has ears to hear, let him hear as we pray together. Lord Jesus, I do pray that every hear, every ear in this um, building, every ear in this congregation would be opened by your Holy Spirit that would be connected to a heart that is yearning for you a heart that has been regenerated by a gift of your grace. God, I pray that there would be none here upon whom the word falls lightly and does not penetrate their heart. I pray that there would be none here who have shallow hearts that never allow the the word to take root in their life. Lord, I ask that you would bring repentance to all who are allowing worry, cares, riches, pleasures of this life to choke out um, and distract us from your glorious, your holy, your word that is full of grace because it points us to our Lord Jesus. I ask this in His name. Amen.